0: I'm so underwhelmed.
1: I'm very tired and hot, so I will be in great
0: spirits. Just got to switch it on. Here we go. Here we go.
1: Welcome back to realworld.com. This is there will be movies 25 of our favorite movies from a given decade. This is volume one, so we are dealing with 2000 to 2009 My name is Matt Waters. I am joined as always by Ben Phillips. Ben, are you ready to talk about gay cowboys?
0: I am ready to talk about maybe gay cowboys.
1: Well, yeah, there's... <laughs> <laughs> As I was wrapping up my notes, I was like, I'll just take a glance at, like, the controversies and the critical takes, and then I was like, nope, nope, can't do it, it's... It's a rough scene out there. The mentality of you are either straight or gay is very prevalent.
0: I mean, this is possibly me putting my own personal biases onto this, but (laughs) I would read them as bisexual.
1: I think there's no way you couldn't. And, like, even if Jack leans more on the the male end, he still. that's
0: that's the thing is, like, to get it out of the way, like, Jack is obviously, like, more gay than straight, and Ennis is more straight than gay, but. But
1: Jack is the love of his
0: life. But Jack is the love of his life. And it's, it's that very complicated thing. And I think, but I also think it kind. It gets regressive to kind of put labels on what it is. Yes. Um, yes. Because obviously this, this is a movie that features sex between both men and women and... Sure does. At no point does it imply that either Jack or Ernest are not enjoying their sex with the women. No. The only time... Well, we'll get that we, to it.
1: We'll get yeah, to I it. Yeah,
0: there is, there is the fight that him and Alma have during one of their sex but that is not because of the sex it is because of something.
1: We didn't even actually fucking say. Uh, this is episode 11 Broke Brokeback Mountain if you didn't guess from the whole gay cowboy which it was infamously referred to as, for the... like, the entirety of its, like, press cycle. People just called it the gay cowboy movie, which... It's so just movie is so reductive. Nothing about this has aged well. Uh, the movie has aged terrifically well. Everything surrounding it, like, reviews and all of that sort of stuff, have not aged too well. And, like, discourse is more what I mean, not reviews, because obviously it's incredibly well-reviewed. But, you know, just a lot of reductive thinking in terms of erasing the idea of bisexuality and, like, just slapping labels on things. And, and yeah, I, I think there was someone some outlet said everyone calls it the gay cowboy movie until they actually see it and I think that's the thing it took on such a huge cultural like it was a meme we talk about memes as like an image or a video on the internet but in terms of the actual meaning of that word meme of like this collective shared idea or whatever like it was very much in the zeitgeist and like there were just jokes left right and centre parodies and, and it I mean, was like the, the, the shaking the shaking and, tent yes. the shaking
0: tent is the, the, the image that I always think of and I don't know how to quit you and yeah it's just all the like all these lines that become like even if people but, haven't seen it they exactly. become memetic
1: I was gonna say I feel a lot of people faked that they'd seen it and like spoke on it as if they had but they clearly hadn't and stuff like that oh and, yes
0: it's, it's, it's wall-to-wall sex it's like it's really not it there's really one is. sex between them there's
1: more straight sex in this movie than <laughs> there is gay sex and like I feel that even got like some criticism that it's like it's straight baiting or whatever but I mean like,
0: that, that was that, that was actually a thing where like how went on a talk show and said like come see this movie i got my boobs out and it's like oh please tell me like a publicist didn't come to you it's like we need to get the straights into the cinema
1: i mean potentially i mean you yeah you see more boobs than you do penises and some lucky I saw
0: heath ledger's penis but uh, penises you see are from the distance as they jump off a cliff
1: yes and one of those is not even jake gyllenhaal hall. <laughs> (laughs) He's a coward, Heath Ledger doesn't give a shit. Because he's Australian, (laughs) who gives a fuck? So this is down as your selection, which I immediately now just feel homophobic. It's because, I would say, I watched this movie for the first time, it was part of our syllabus uh, at university, and I don't think I was emotionally equipped to get as much out of this movie uh, as I am now as a fake woke adult. Uh, no, I feel like I'm a rounded person, so I reflect far more kindly on it now than I did when I first saw it, and a lot of these picks that I've made are largely based on, like, my kind of emotional connection to them, and I sort of didn't have that with this movie. For a long time, so while I respect the fuck out of it as an excellent piece of filmmaking and acting, and just incredibly important as a sort of watershed moment for film and like representation, it still does it. it doesn't have that like instinctive like oh I have to put that down. But for you, very much so because uh, yeah, this is down as your as your selection.
0: I mean, yeah, it's 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 my selection for. Uh, I mean, a mix of like this movie is just really fucking good. Yeah, personal reasons.
1: <laughs> All right, an exclusive on the podcaster.
0: No, yeah, I mean, like, as someone who identifies as bisexual, like, it is, this movie feels so much more real in a lot of ways than, like, a lot of gay movies. It feels like between this and, like, Call, call Me By Your Name, like, there's not a lot of movies that feel like they actually kind of get to the heart of this kind of experience. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a weird one. Like, I think there's moments in this movie which don't ring true. Like, the first the first time they have sex, it feels very much like they go from, like, naught to 60. You're like, this is oh, This yeah. is progressing, no, this it's it's progressing very quickly.
1: <laughs> Fuck 60. We left 60 in the rear view. They go not to one thousand, <laughs> man. He splits and yeah, it's like.
0: Yeah, it's like. I mean, obviously, the implication there is that Jack has done this before because yes. the way that Jack goes about it is like, I am ready for this. It's like, yeah. oh, okay,
1: this is what we do. Up there. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> it, it'd be like it's, it's that very weird thing I can't think of any other like movies that deal with homosexuality or bisexuality or anything like that that actually stand up it's like Bound Bound is still really good but that's mm-hmm. written by two trans women the history of LGBT cinema like kind of becomes this kind of like very camp very reductive thing whereas this is so much more human and so much more humanizing than an awful lot of kind of those other those other kind of movies that feature yeah. queer relationships
1: Austin Walker who writes for Vice and, and Waypoint and all he was talking about Representation and how there's this idea that you bite people's hands off for some sort of flawed representation because otherwise you will starve and I thought that was like a really poignant way of putting it because it's not that there are no good movies about sexuality and stuff it's just that like you're sort of grasping for ones that are this recognised and big and, and I don't want to be reductive with how I'm talking about this but you know like this feels so much more important than almost anything that had come before it
0: and it's it's you thank goodness this exists that's so, yeah, so why I guess I'm striving at that but. you've obviously got movies like I mean, you can argue stuff like <laughs> does Mrs. Doubtfire deal with drag personas particularly well or nope. like uh, <laughs> Priscilla Queen of the Desert and stuff like that and it, it kind of like centres it on different things but really like there's a few movies in the 2000s that actually feel like they're made by with actual queer voices in them. and the thing and the thing that's really weird about this movie is this movie is mostly made by straight people yep like angry is well, straight to the
1: point that one of the fucking writers I mean, you can connect some dots and read between some lines, but I feel the male writer wasn't all that comfortable with writing Larry McMurty and Diana Asana. Co wrote it, and McMurty had to essentially be browbeaten into even reading the story because he hates short fiction or whatever. And then when they actually wrote it together, he handled like the marriages and the Western stuff, and then he left the entire romance to Osana. And there are conflicting reports about Angley essentially not letting McMurty on the set while Osana was there for every single day of filming. And it's like, I, it may all be not what I'm thinking, but my instinct is he wasn't all that comfortable writing the gay cowboy movie. I mean,
0: what? I mean, I mean, like D- D- Diana, Diana is a scripted producer on the movie. She's the one who fought really hard to adapt this book. Isn't she? Like yes. she's the one who read the, read the Annie Proulx article and was of oh, a short story and was just like, I need to make this a movie. Yeah. And if she is the one who wrote the relationship stuff, she had the technically easier job mm-hmm. because I read the short story this morning. It's a beautiful piece of prose, but so much of it was adapted into, into the movie. Like it's pretty, but like, a lot of it's beat for beat. There's one notable thing they cut, which is this weird, Implication at the back end of the story that Jack's homosexuality comes from a pastry of childhood trauma. Oh, good. <laughs> they tell a story. They tell a story of like Jack saying that his circumcision had gone badly and oh. he was like peeing all over the seat. So his dad comes in, beats him up, and then pisses on him. Oh, good. And like it, like Jack kind of like phrases it in terms of being like, me and my father had different penises, therefore I knew that I would never be whole in his eyes. Um, and like like, it feels like this really weird late in the story thing to introduce and it starts this implication that like oh it's this abuse that's caused him to be this way which Mm. the rest of the book is so beautifully done and so much of what is in the movie is in that text but it's the one solid piece of information on Jack we get because almost everything in this movie with Jack like when he's off on his own is um, entirely from the point of view like entirely created for this movie pretty much but they don't include that one little bit of backstory
1: the author said that she was was stunned at how much of her, her work made it onto screen, and she went as far as to say she might be the first American writer to see the entirety of their, like, book or short story or whatever, like, make its way onto a screen. Because, you know, most books do get, like, heavily chopped and, and, and edited and changed uh, to become a more pleasing, publicly available narrative, if we put it that way. Yeah, I
0: mean, this, this, is, an ex- <laughs> this is an expansion on her, I mean, it's only 52 pages on that. It's a it's a short read, but it does expand Quite a lot on kind of like there's a lot more stuff in the on Brokeback Mountain. They change some stuff like because obviously in the, in the film they always go back to Brokeback Mountain, mm-hmm. but in the short story they go to different places. They go anywhere but Brokeback Mountain is the um, <sighs> okay. is the is the idea behind it. Yeah, and that's um, where it all started, and that's why
1: it's so. So then it's like he almost wants to go back there for the first time rather than anyway. But I mean, we're we're
0: leaping into this. We haven't done any context. I know, I know.
1: Well, and again we skipped over you know directed by Ang Lee, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon would of course have been in heavy consideration for the list. But I think this beats it out.
0: They're two of the best movies of this decade: yeah. Crouching Tiger and Broken Mountain. And but I put I, I put Brokeback on my list for reasons. <laughs> one movie per director, so
1: it would be great to have them both. But we have this one. Unfortunately, Hulk is disqualified due to the no superheroes rule. But of course, that is his finest movie.
0: Hulk is great. I mean, <laughs> I it, really need to rewatch it's, Hulk. It's weird to think that this is the movie that they do after Hulk. Ang Lee and James Shamus, like yeah. producing partners, up through I can't remember what movie they work on together last year taking Woodstock's the last movie they did together but they work on the movies and there's this great story of them finishing work on Hulk and James Seamus goes to see Spider-Man opening day uh, fully aware of what movie they're making with Hulk and how like they're trying something like whether or not you think Hulk works they're trying something in that movie yeah. but they say well, you would sit and watch Spider-Man and then uh, as soon as the movie finishes and spider mans on like the American flag on the flagpole and like we're nine months after 9-11 he just calls Ang Lee and he's like we're fucked <laughs>
1: we've got to pivot hard into gay
0: cowboys how the
1: fuck did ang lee get
0: the job on sense and
1: sensibility i've always wondered this like
0: i can't remember what the exact story was but like i think uh, he made like 3 movies in taiwan i think taiwan, yeah he made yeah. 3 taiwan movies and i think they saw the wedding banquet and someone someone was sold on the wedding banquet being very much the style that they wanted sense and sensibility to be okay and hired him to do that and then he did eat drink man woman in between yeah. those two which, uh, he cause he he had two Oscar nominations for best foreign film before he did Sense and Sensibility.
1: Sure, I just I don't know. It, he seems like a massive outlier in that movie, and it's uh, you know
0: good for him and I mean, good for them. But I mean, sure. I mean, that movie's weird. Like it's Emma Thompson's screenplay, and like appa- apparently, like he he was a great boon on set, and I think I don't think anyone's got a bad word to say about him from that movie.
1: He has some bad words to say about sheep, though. But you know, I didn't
0: he hold does, it. Have some, he does have some very bad words to say about sheep. <laughs> didn't
1: hold him back. But yes, uh, released December 2005 in the US. January 2006 in the UK so a one and only entry in terms of contextualising years on 2005 heralded as possibly the greatest year in the history of cinema right Ben?
0: Oh my god it's uh, so let's, let's just run through the top 20 movies of 2005 and you, you have to tell me how many of these you think still exist like you have thought about in the last like couple of years so we have Flight Plan nope forgot it exists 40 year old Virgin which is like yeah, it's, good. it's the good. start of a trend Yeah. fun with Dick and Jane no like, we we talked about we talked about coasting off of, like, Eternal, like it's Jim Carrey, like, Eternal Sunshine making as much money he did based on Jim Carrey, like, from Dick and Jane.
1: I objectively know that movie exists and would list it as a thing Jim Carrey was in, but it occupies zero brain space <laughs> in my head.
0: The pacifier. <laughs> uh,
1: that is sitting at, I have a pile of DVDs somewhere that I keep meaning to get rid of, and that one is often sitting <laughs> at the top of that pile. That's not because it's the worst one there, it's just, it's often at the top of the pile. So yeah, that one has actually been in my mind a lot.
0: What? The line, which is... Uh, it's fine. I mean, it's just a music biopic. Robots.
1: Yep, forgot that exists. Chicken Little. You were a crazy person who told me we should do every Disney movie, so that was on the list, and I was like, that oh was, yeah, like, Chicken Little. <laughs> Zach Braff's Star Vehicle After Scrubs. Fantastic Four. Yes, because I said the other day I've been meaning to rewatch the original one. Well, not the original, but you know. <laughs> uh, no one can watch the original. The footage is gone. But yeah, I, I keep meaning to rewatch that. I assume Chris Evans is delightful and the rest of shit the longest yard yeah well i that is hitting me in a cultural crossover of things so it being bad doesn't affect me so
0: i'm i'm just just a little bit shocked that that's the 12th highest grossing movie of 2005 to be honest
1: yeah, man. adam sandler is a box of was a <laughs> box office drawer i mean uh, yeah
0: now he just makes netflix movies he just yeah. <laughs> like netflix give him money yeah. and then he hangs out with some friends and they film it and they go like oh, there's a plot i think
1: Fuck your cartoon about representation. We have money for Adam Sandler to to use. A hitch.
0: Will Smith's greatest role.
1: <laughs> Is that a genuine opinion?
0: No, it's not a genuine Good. opinion. Good. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. The movie, the broken marriage. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, gone, gone from my head. Madagascar. Uh yeah, largely because of Chris Rock. Three of
0: them. Four
1: of them. Three in a Penguins movie. There's been more than one Penguins movie, isn't there? Oh, I guess some of them okay. are short. I swear, there's
0: like a director DVD movie. I I, I, there's like a hundred
1: Madagascar know. projects. Uh, uh,
0: and now we get to the best movie objective on this list, Batman Begins.
1: Of course, the best Batman Like,
0: Like, ever. there is there is literally no better movie on this list than Batman Begins. Okay. Tim Burton's Charlie Chocolate Factory, which I do like. I don't like Tim Burton, so hard
1: skip on that one.
0: Wedding Crashers, which is kind of stunning. It's the sixth highest grossing movie of the year. Wedding Crashers made more money than Batman Begins.
1: That, it shocked me Wedding Crashers made so much money. I somewhat like Wedding Crashers, but yeah, that that is that high up a list is damning.
0: And now we get to like the start of like the franchise boon and also two directors kind of coasting off of their fame. King Kong,
1: mm-hmm.
0: P. Jackson's follow-up to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, it's three hours long and a woman I fucks an um, ape. Don't you not even see the ape for like an hour? Ooh, I don't know if that may be possibly. It's been a while since I've seen it. I think there's a lot on the boat. The War of the Worlds. Steven Spielberg did not like
1: 9-11. Yeah, because you and I have had some debates about War of the Worlds so that's why that still is in my head. Harry Potter 4, the worst Harry Potter movie. My favourite Harry Potter book. I don't
0: know about it as a movie I think most I mean of, like, I mean like actually. I mean like one and two are probably worse. But yes. there are also children's movies made by a director who mostly makes children's movies that it feels harsh to like criticize them. Whereas I remember it,
1: so little of five that in my head it's worse than four. But five
0: sure. is the best movie, no, not best movie, best book, best book, not the best movie. Really, I've never heard that opinion before. Five is the best book, it's it's my favorite. All right, well, I look forward to our Harry Potter podcast at some point. Crocs and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Whoa, they started strong and then the franchise just completely peaked it off. Hasn't
1: that ever worked as, like, an enormous Harry Potter-level franchise?
0: Because C.S. Lewis is a massive Christian and he hates women.
1: Yes, but you could just ignore those facts.
0: I mean, you can't. When the last book is just like, oh, she she got into makeup and, boys, she can't come to heaven with us. I'm Jesus lying. I've declared this. Yeah, I guess that does totally happen, doesn't it? And then Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, the best of the prequel movies. What? Uh,
1: shocking. Oh, what, a, what a take
0: there. <laughs> Which I also shouldn't be recall- calling. The prequel movies anymore It's the Age of Republic Age of Rebellion Is the originals And Age of Resistance Is the sequels But yeah 2005 is apparently a Weird year It's like this weird Middle year in cinema Where like These shoots of like The, uh, the upcoming comedy boom are here. Lots of adult comedies in that in that top 20. Judd Apatow and Nick Stoller on multiple movies. You've got superhero movies, you've got massive franchises, but it feels like just all of them feel so inconsequential, like no one can figure out how to actually make a good movie. No,
1: except Batman Begins.
0: Except Batman Begins. But yeah, we got good movies from 2005. We've got Caché, Brokeback Mountain, Grizzly Man. <laughs> History of Violence. Uh, History of violence oh wow, what we... a
1: movie that could have been talked about.
0: Yes. Uh, Squid in the Whale, Munich, mm. uh, Good Night and Good Luck, George Clooney's directorial debut, Walton Gromit, Curse the of It, Sent Neil Marshall's audition for Game of Thrones. <laughs> Two thousand five is this weird year where like there's a lot of good movies that are going on, but like nothing feels kind of like What won the Oscar burn? <sighs> Say the words, but Crash won the Oscar in two thousand five. Famous. Did you know? Audible you know,
1: gasp, Matt? at the Oscars when <laughs> Jack Nicholson said Crash. Did you know, Matt,
0: that racism is bad? No, you didn't know because the two white people made a movie about. Oh, okay. Yeah, like Paul Haggis and yeah. Bobby Moresco wrote 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 a movie. Yeah, but the white whole...
1: people fix racism every year and almost win an Oscar. Or the whole point.
0: Oscar. The whole point of Crash is like it kind of goes like, well, what if you made racism explicit, and then it just becomes this cartoon thing where like people go up and just shout like oh, I hate you because you're black and it's like this. You don't have to form- tell me why Crash is bad. But... <laughs> <laughs> I know but Crash is so fucking bad yeah. and I feel like the only reason it wins is because it's competition that year is Brokeback Mountain which is so firmly the most memorable movie of that selection. It became memetic. it's still within the culture. Ang Lee won the fucking best director Oscar. It's like quite often in the Oscars you'll see the best director, best film split and quite often the best director will be the movie that should have won Best Picture. But for whatever reason, politics got in the way and made it not happen. And it's a real shame, because I think there are genuine times where like we should have more of a Best Director Best Picture split, because... Directing and picture are not like for like, but the times where there is a split are like it's like Shakespeare in Love versus um, Saving Private Ryan, where it's like it's so obvious that Saving Private Ryan should have won. It's stuff like this year where Roma wins Best Director and Green Book wins Best Picture, and it's like in what world are <laughs> we saying that Roma is a worse film than than Green Book? Yeah. Should have um, been Infinity War, but you know. <laughs> should have been Infinity War. I mean, but like then you have got times where like it actually feels like something that actually happens. Like I I love what Barry Jenkins did with Moonlight. A Moonlight Winning Best Picture is probably the best upset we could have expected this decade, mm. but I'm not upset that Damien Chazelle won Best Director for La La Land because La La Land is directed a very, like a, a very directed movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and that's not to say that Barry Jenkins didn't direct Moonlight fantastically, but like that feels like the kind of split we should be doing. Like, even down to like, I don't think Argo is the best movie. Mm. But I can see why you chose it over Life of Pi, and Life of Pi deserves Angley's second best director nod for that one. And so like, th- there are those times it feels like it's deserved, whereas there are other times where like the controversial movie wins, and you sit there and go like it should it should have been someone yeah. else.
1: It won at like most other awards things, and Angley like cleared. Wasn't he like the first person to win the Oscar, the BAFTA, the I don't even remember the names of everything else, but like, he, I think he was the first person to win, like, four or five of these major awards,
0: Best Director Award. I mean, quite quite possibly. I mean, it, but yeah, like, the, the movies is Crash, Brokeback, Capote, Good Night and Good Luck in Munich. But One of those is objectively like, one of the worst movies of that year. And it's mm. the one that won. And it's, it's all down to, and as we touched on it earlier, it's all down to that kind of, like, historic presence of, it's the gay cowboy movie, and so many people in the Academy are older, white voters. Jared Nicholson
1: uh, claims he voted for
0: Brobert. Yeah, there's one there's one famous quote where I can't remember who it was someone who used to work with John Wayne came out and was just like why would I vote for it I'm not going to see that movie John Wayne is turning in his grave
1: fuck,
0: you know. It's it's just like and it's, there's so obviously that political sentiment behind it that, that I'm not going to vote for this. Instead, I'm going to go for the movie that makes me feel good because there like I'm not this racist person that goes out and shouts at black people. I'm better than that. Racism is so awful. Look at this clear example of what racism is. Ignoring the structural things that racism does to a country that makes it so that Yeah, you know
1: who was a fucking racist? John fucking Wayne. Anyway. <laughs>
0: Utter travesty that Crash won Best Picture it is the worst thing that the Academy have done this century The Green Book of its day The Green Book of its day and even then Green Book wasn't the worst movie that was nominated that year okay. Bohemian Ravesty is an is utter travesty of a movie Okay At least Green Book is competently made Fair enough I didn't see either
1: of those, but fair enough.
0: We we can run into the movie now.
1: That's fine. Uh, so it's 134 minutes long. Uh, I think it is too long. I think the back half of it drags a bit. I know some of the best scenes in the whole movie are towards the end, but just the back half of it I, I do think is a bit bloated and, like, you're introducing some stuff
0: quite late that,
1: I don't know, like when David Harbour and Anna Faris show up and it's like, there's, like, 20 minutes left in this thing. (laughs) It's a bit like,
0: oh. I feel like David David Harbour pays off, though, because David Harbour comes up, like, three times, and it's quite a nice little subtle through line at the end there. It
1: is, but I think they could have appeared much earlier and we could have trimmed some stuff to get them in there, but I I don't don't know. Tiny budget of 14 million dollars, made it back in its first week, because it made 178 million dollars in the end they made their money back just by selling the international distribution rights <laughs> so I mean yeah
0: like at the end like this movie still was I think like just looking at like the yearly list it's the, the worldwide list it's still like the 22nd highest grossing movie of the year or something like that Yeah, this movie is still massive
1: it's set a record for like most money per screening I think so it wasn't widely available but where it was available it was selling out because you know the people that want to see it really want to see it so as you said based on a short story by Annie Perel. She sent signed copies to the leads. She accidentally wrote Ennis on Heath's copy and I think she's fucking lying because she was like I came to reflect on it and he really just was Ennis. It's like no, you fucked up and you just want to say something cutesy now. But anyway. Gus Van Sant was originally signed on to adapt it. He wanted Matt Damon for Ennis. Matt Damon, in a quote I am not a fan of from a man I am generally a fan of, said I made a gay movie, then I made a cowboy movie I can't follow this up by making a gay cowboy movie. Shame on you, Matt Damon, if that means... I mean, Matt Damon
0: <laughs> the notorious for putting his foot in his mouth.
1: Yes, I think he is a nice person who chooses his phrasing poorly. Like myself, maybe that's why I identify with him. Josh Schumacher was briefly linked, but Ang Lee ultimately got it. He was gonna retire after Hulk. Like, he said, making Crouching Tiger and Hulk, like, completely wrecked him, and he was just gonna, like, go off into the sunset, and then this movie, like, re-energised his soul, and he's been making movies ever since. Other considerations for the leads include Ben Affleck. Imagine if we had a Matt Damon Ben Affleck Kid cowboy movie
0: (laughs) I feel like they'd be going for the same role though yeah,
1: probably. Billy Crudup, Colin Farrell, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Josh Hartnett, Joaquin Phoenix, Mark Wahlberg. I think well, Mark Wahlberg's a bit of a bullshitter, because he was like, oh yeah, they had, they wanted it to be me and Joaquin, but I just couldn't... I, he basically said he was put off by the graphic nature of the sex scenes or whatever. I was like, the one sex scene? The one? He, and didn't was, want to,
0: he didn't want to spit in his hand.
1: Yeah. I mean, his brand is like the straightest white dude in America, so, so you know. I feel, I'm i depressed by how often we've done these, and I've said, considered for the role was Mark Wahlberg. It's like, stop trying to cast this man and everything. Joseph Fiennes aggressively pursued being in the film, but he didn't get it, obviously. Heath Ledger and Michelle Williams, of course, got together famously uh, while making this, had a child. Jake Gyllenhaal is the godfather, but they did go on to split up, sadly. Anne Hathaway had to audition in full costume during and makeup during a lunch break from filming Princess Diaries 2. I cannot imagine a more comical thing in an audition than a woman turning up as a princess to read for this role. She lied about being able to ride horses spent two months learning and then because of insurance reasons they pretty much I don't know if the scene where she takes the hat back off him is real but certainly the scene where she's like bolting is, is a double filmed almost entirely in Canada because everything is and it's cheaper and prettier and everything both leads were offered to go to what they called a cowboy camp <laughs> but he's declined because he grew up on farms but Jake in their words needed toughening up it's the first film to be released digitally and on DVD on the same day which is very strange that and they actually released it on DVD while it was still in theaters because I think there was such a demand for it that they had to keep it going. And this is our second film that has been put into the national registry after Memento. I did mention when we cover Memento that you might be able to figure out one of the other films on the list based on that. And if you guessed it was Bro Mountain, well done, you get a prize. So this movie begins in Wyoming in 1963. Uh, I think the whole movie spans 20 years because um, I think. The end is 1983, but and Jack Twist and Anna Delmar meet while both seeking work herding sheep or Joe Aguirre, played by Randy Quaid who sued the filmmakers because he claims they pitched it as an art house movie that had no intention of making any money and then when it became very successful, he was like I have been misled and underpaid and then
0: he quietly dropped the lawsuit because fuck off Randy Quaid. They had no intention of making money, like, no, everything has intention of yes. making money. <laughs> you signed on to do a 14 million dollar budget movie directed by the multiple Oscar award nominee director starring two of the biggest up-and-coming actors in the world. <laughs>
1: but you can also um, see why they would be like, hey, let's all set our expectations about how much money this might make because of the subject yeah. matter. So it's like, <laughs> it's not <laughs> their <laughs> fault that people had a bigger palette for it than they might have conservatively expected. I would say while the best scenes are not, are probably not in this stretch, the opening half hour 40 minutes are probably my favourite to watch. It is so beautiful every like shot of them outdoors. Like it almost works as a short film almost of just like this is their summer on Brokeback Mountain and then they go their separate ways or whatever. And obviously there's a whole lot of movie that has to come after that but I just really love the montages of them herding these sheep over streams and up hills and in the snow and like fending off wolves and there's a bear and I just yeah I, I, I really really like this this first 40 minutes a, a whole hell of a lot and, and Ang Lee has a real knack of shooting Outdoors, I guess.
0: Have you have you seen the um the behind the scenes footage of the green screen and stuff like that, and what they did to to make the outdoor scenes look good?
1: I know they color corrected the fuck out of the sky, but no.
0: There's there's stuff there's stuff like they put they digitally put in the mountains in the background in so many scenes. So like when you've got the wide open vistas and then in the background the mountains covered by by smoke, you can you they digitally put them put the background in. Well, and stuff I know like robot that
1: robot mountain is like a composite of various actual mountains and stuff. Like it's not a real mountain.
0: Yeah, obviously most famously. You worked with sheep on Sense and Sensibility and hated the experience. So basically, they used a very minimal amount of sheep on this movie and almost every sheep in this film is digitally added in at a later it's, point.
1: Because there's going to be like 2,500 sheep here and they maybe have a couple hundred, I don't know. But
0: they got in some trouble
1: because they because they were filming in Canada and there's that scene where like Joe's sheep have gotten mixed up with another person's sheep and they're having to separate them. They used a mix of American and Canadian sheep, and American sheep carry various bacterias and stuff that the Canadian ones don't, and they were like, if you let these fucking sheep interact, you're in some trouble, mister. And they did almost do that, so yeah. I can't imagine going in knowing nothing about this film because from the word go, when you just see these two men just stiltedly standing far apart and like awkwardly just staring at the floor, and receiving the instruction that they have to camp among the sheep with no fire and stuff, is, like, you immediately just place on top of it this, like, subtext of, like, them immediately having an attraction towards each other. There is
0: is so much sexual tension between them. There
1: is, definitely, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it had such a reputation before most people even saw it. I would be fascinated to find one person on the fucking planet who doesn't know anything about the movie and be like, look at this and like watch them and how they react to it but yeah it, it, I think it is objectively just charged with with tension but like maybe it is just you are unable to separate what you know about the film from you know what you're seeing and stuff but yeah I no, I, 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 I like them just like staring at the I, I, I genuinely and,
0: think that there is just a tension yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know whether or not they shot these early scenes later kind of like after they'd done the stuff on the mountain or whether or not they really did it first but I have to feel that like they'd spent some time together when they do these opening when they do the opening scene at least when they the job. So do we want to talk about Heath and Jake?
1: Yeah, Heath Ledger is fucking
0: magnificent. And, and this, this is the, probably the best acting performance of the decade. Probably, yeah. He, <laughs> he, he should have won the Oscar for this. Yep. The fact like, he should have had two Oscars by the end of his career, because even just thinking on a level of, like, this is the same man who was the Joker. Yeah. Two years later.
1: Yep. This is the kid from 10 Things I Hate About
0: You. This is... Oh... <laughs> So, he's so. Uh, I. I
1: don't have words how good he is like he's
0: he's he's so coiled his entire demeanor is like just completely changed there's so much repressed energy i was gonna
1: say he's heartbreakingly repressed in like almost every line of dialogue and every piece of body language he has i mean i
0: i'm sure there is like there's some kid who's doing their like film work thesis and say like well the way he talks he barely opens his mouth it's a sign of his repression i had to watch this without subtitles and there are definitely entire sentences i do not know
1: what he said when He said his daddy said that rodeo guys are something i was like are you saying faggots in a really weird way (laughs) he says something and then jake just starts you know running around and and shouting and yeah he's fantastic like just visibly crushed under the weight of like male expectation and like hyper masculinity and, and
0: this movie is so much about like not only is it about him coming true to himself about his what his sexuality is but it is also very much about toxic masculinity and
1: I think it's more about that. Like, it's not in any way... It's not treated in any way controversial that these two... Well, no, it is, but... It is just tacitly put there that they fall for each other. It's just the entire rest of it is just Ennis having to, like, grapple with that, you know? And, like... There is a... I don't know if it's understated, but in the background of all of it, there's a giant class issue here where he is desperately poor and having to pay alimony and to take all these shitty jobs just, like, instantly. And, like, this leads to him doing a lot of very shitty stuff towards his family. And, like, Jack marries into money and stuff. And it's like, there is that kind of tension between them about, you know, you're rich and I'm poor, let's dance together. Sorry. You know, the, that, that, like, he comes from a world of, like, a very working class, raised on a farm like all this sort of stuff, it informs a lot of his behaviours and stuff and it's just Ennis is like such a tragic character, like a strong argument that he's a shitty human being but the reasons he is a shitty human being are very very depressing and like sympathy inducing
0: and everything. Watching this performance now, uh, just over ten years since Heath died, just imagine what kind of performance we would have got out of him imagine what he would have done after Dark Knight, yeah. alone, like because obviously like Dark Knight got so much shit for being like, oh, they've hired the gay cowboy guy to be the Joker? What is this? Yeah, then then it got all that shit for, like, oh, he killed himself
1: because he was so depressed, because he was, like, holed up in a hotel room, like, being the Joker and whatnot. And it's like, no, he filmed, like, other things after... Like, he was done with
0: it. Not to say that he literally didn't have his problems, but it is...
1: Sure, 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 but... It's just, yeah, but... He's so defined by, like, being this tragically, like... Dark Joker, and it's like, but what potential he had as an ongoing movie star entity in this business, and like the the roles he could have gone on to do, and everything, and like this is this is by far his best one, and like it's scary to think he possibly could have topped this one day, you know? Like
0: it's bizarre to think, like, because obviously he started off in this quite, and it's one thing I do really appreciate about this cast, which is that all four of the main actors, mm. five if you want to extend it to like Linda Cardellini, I don't. Um, <laughs> I'm she's surprisingly
1: saying. highly credited for how, how how much of the film she's but in. But I mean, but they
0: all come from fairly definitive teen roles. Yeah, Heath Ledger's got Ten Things I Hate About You, Jake Gyllenhaal's got Donnie Darko, Michelle Williams obviously has Dawson's Creek, mm. And Hathaway's coming from Princess Diaries, Linda Cardellini's coming off Freaks and Geeks. That everyone in this movie is so young. I don't think any of them are over twenty-five. Like Heath Ledger is like twenty-five when he filmed this movie, and everyone else is like l- less old than that. Yeah, um, then you
1: got Kate Mara playing his daughter, and she's like twenty-one. It's like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> but they do a really uh, good job of aging them up over the course of the. Uh, they
0: they the do a good job, and the, but they don't do like prosthetics. But there is this like fantastic thing where like because they cast them so young, these early scenes on the mountain are given such a youthful energy. They've
1: got such baby faces, and like seeing Jake shave when he's barely got any fucking facial hair in the first place, and like right at the end when you see that flashback to the first summer, it's so like visually striking to l- be like this is like looking at different humans, This is almost like Boyhood or something. Like it's y- yeah, and like yeah, like you said, there's no prosthetics. It's just the way they dress them, the way they're like. I think there's a lot of like physical like acting of like you know carrying
0: yourself differently,
1: and and really good. It's not that Jake is bad. I think he is good. I don't think it's his. I mean, best I mean mate, Jake, but... Jake,
0: Jake doesn't get. To be big until that last scene on Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, that's where he's going and, for and it. I think he's got, like, a few good scenes but they are, his good scenes are mostly in, like, the back half of the movie, whereas this is just him having to be charismatic and not carry quite as much yeah. baggage as Ennis and Heath do. Uh, but, uh, but, again, he's coming off, of, like, I think, I think Jake gets better as an actor as he gets older, whereas Heath Ledger is so fully formed at this point. I mean, like cause he's, he's had Donnie Darko, he's had Day After Tomorrow at this point, but, like, we're, we're still a few years away from from Zodiac and from, like, Prisoners mm-hmm. and me and stuff like that like like jake is only going to get better as an actor from here and this is still like a pretty good performance it's just he's up against the best acting performance of the decade Yeah, yeah anyone will look bad yes
1: well, we're, we're talking about these two and reasonably early in the movie they they get drunk and they get down with their bad selves and this is... It's sad that I have to call this brave but it is undeniably, I think, courageous acting by both of them that it sucks that a number of actors would be put off by something like this but there is an intensity to all of the physical scenes that is... I don't think everyone would be up for it. Like There are plenty of actors, of straight actors that play gay characters but it's done in a very, like, less intense way, let's say. Uh, but this is, like, a full-on... They are, like, wrestling each other down and, like, you know, the spit in the hand is shockingly graphic for... I mean, it's not even, but it, you know, the implication that immediately comes with I mean, that th- and, th- th-
0: th- there's the implication but it's, like, it's also, like, one of those few sex scenes where, like, the mechanics of sex are actually, like, being portrayed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, like, you watch sex and it's just like, okay, and now they're thrusting and it's like... He has
1: perfect access immediately and they have both climaxed inside 60 seconds and everyone and, was and everyone, perfectly everyone's hard disheveled. and everyone's, everyone's not
0: dishevelled and <laughs> yeah oh it's uh,
1: just perfect oh great stuff they, they bring so much intensity to all of these physical scenes and Heath Ledger famously almost broke Jake Gyllenhaal's nose kissing him in one's I, I assume it's the scene where they meet up after this first summer I mean yeah
0: like if it's like genuinely the scenes it's so rough and so much like we have been apart so long I need to drink all of you in as yeah. quickly and forcefully as possible yeah. and it's so erotically charged but also at the same time not being like yeah. overtly erotic like, it, it's that weird thing where like you can feel the tension and whatnot, but it's it's not getting to the point of it being salacious. Yeah, you know, before they actually
1: get it on, we see them like gradually bonding. Like Ennis is very reluctant to speak, and he gradually does open up a little bit about his family. And like he's teasing Jack about the rodeo and about his harmonica playing skills and all of this stuff. And you get start you get these shots like Jack is carving or something while Ennis is washing himself, and nothing but a cowboy hat. A, a an acting decision I applaud. Personally, <laughs> you know your expectation is he's going to like sneak a peek and be like, "Oh, I'm attracted to
0: him." But... You can see the eyes are like thinking about darting yeah. over there.
1: It's yeah, it's it's the it's the not looking is more powerful than the looking, almost. You know, yeah. yeah. Like, but I
0: mean, like, Ang Lee is notorious for being a very like body language focused director because he is a native Tony speaker. He quite often will like guide the directors in terms of their body language, yeah. and if he does give them acting tips, it'll be kind of like very short clip. English sentences. Well I mean like yeah, physicality is universal. So. Yeah and, and and you feel it so much especially in a movie like this where there's so much physicality going on. There's so much because most of the characters in the movie don't speak that much there is so much that has to be portrayed by how they stand how they yeah. act, what they do and this is kind of like, the whole movie is structured like this but everything in this movie is kind of like a little 5-10 to 10 minute vignette.
1: It's so time capsule and very rarely do they, I think they put the date at the very beginning I don't think maybe they put one more
0: date somewhere
1: but like uh, they definitely say the date yeah they you st- get further along. but you are distrusted to be like oh the daughters look older so I guess time has passed And
0: yeah like quite quite often they'll say like the daughters are the X age or like we've yeah. been married for this long or it's been this long since we've seen each other yeah. and you just kind of have to figure it out as you go along and
1: you have to just sort of guess for yourself how often these two are meeting up is it months is it years is it a combination of both like sometimes they see each other three times in a year sometimes only once sometimes not at all in a year or whatever. Like you said, Jack initiates the encounter. It's not like a awkward oh, we almost kissed. Oh no. It's like he full on, just in the night, grabs his hand And he initially responds with that, like, violence and, like, like, wrestling for position almost, and, like, I don't, it's so powerful. I don't even know how else to describe it, just seeing the, like, raw masculinity, which, you know, some people who are very misguided and equate masculinity to straightness would balk at, but, like, that their very rough sex is so masculine, you know? Like And, like, I think people, like, commended Jake for, like, being the one that takes it, as it were. You know, like, him having to, like, bend over and, like, it and like he like slams his hand down and stuff and like you know it's all very and you know this subtext of like you know what he does for a living you know he he is a rodeo what do they call them because I know there's rodeo clowns but he's not a, clown. It's, it's just rodeo a rodeo rider, rodeo rodeo
0: man,
1: man rodeo person <laughs> he's sitting atop wild beasts and trying to control them and in this instance he is he
0: is, he is losing control
1: exactly yes and he is the one being ridden as it were and they don't
0: actually they just, just he's in the rodeo life.
1: Exactly. That I feel that's the only way you can talk about you yeah, he's in the rodeo, so what's his job? You know, he's in the rodeo.
0: There's the line later on where he goes like I made two thousand dollars last year I almost starved because <laughs> yeah. so much of it is like you get paid if you win. Exactly. And if you aren't the best, if you don't have the best control. And there
1: are are these, twice, I think, early on, he makes a real show of it in front of Ennis, where, like, he's riding this horse, and Ennis is like, oh, you want to be careful with that horse. He's like, oh, there isn't a horse that can throw me. And when you actually see him later, when he goes... Back to te- or down to Texas. I don't know if he moves or if he's from there and he's travelled up for the work. But um, when he's in Texas, he's actually quite bad at it. But then when he meets Lorraine, he's good at it. And it's like this idea that he's only good at it when he's showing off for someone, you know? Like, <laughs>
0: yeah, because he, he doesn't fall off the horse in front of Venice. Exactly, he falls off the horse off camera and is just kind of like offhandly mentioned. Yes. Uh, <laughs> After this, they both agree that they're not queer and <laughs> we're, we're not gay we're just two men who like spending manly time together
1: yeah and i think jake even said i don't think these guys know what gay means to be honest like and it's such a like it's all just so deeply ingrained in the hyper masculinity of the world that especially this like you know the west rough and tumble cowboy like this sort of stuff it is all just just so much straightness coded i mean yeah you there. get
0: you get so much of it from the way that ennis tells the story of his dad showing him the corpse of <sighs> the, the, the the gay man and he, he's like, I don't know if my dad did it, and you can tell how much that weighs on him. This oh, yeah. idea that like I can't do this because I don't want to end up having be, my face smashed in by a tire iron and my dick ripped like, off. I, yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't live through the idea that this could happen to me. Exactly. Yeah. But, and I, so I will not engage this. I will do it because this is something that I feel I need as a person. Yeah. But well, he I'm, says what we have here. This
1: is just for the summer, and like he says, I think he even says like, or is it later where he says about how the there's no reins on this horse and we just ride it for as long as we can and stuff and yeah. I think it's when they meet up again that he says that because Jack implicitly asks him like you know oh so
0: when am I going to see you or whatever and yeah. like, but, even, but even then like Jack like tries to hide his queerness from Ennis they're like oh have you done this before have you done this since and the editors, and Jack's like no 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 I haven't but like we know that he's been yeah, trying to yeah, yeah. trying at least to see people at bars and then he goes to Mexico <laughs> later on after yeah, Ennis yeah. rejects him after he gets divorced yeah and uh, it's like a big reveal of Jack to go like I been sleeping with people in Mexico the woman who I said I was sleeping with, the ranch hand next door, yeah. it's, not, it's not the wife he's sleeping with. It's the husband, It's the husband. Yeah, yeah. The husband. <laughs> but I all like, of
1: that is left as subtext though, he never actually says that. Well, I guess his father confirmed well no, even then, it's just like they're talking about someone, and you just put two and two together and assume it's David Harbour's character, but yeah um, they, they agree, it's this summer and this summer only, and like is there supposed to be some symbolism to because then it's like bolts, the more after and he goes to check on the sheep that they have neglected and one of them has been eaten by a wolf or coyote whatever really bugs me when americans say coyote i don't know (laughs) what yeah and and joe sees them and initially he does nothing and you're sort of waiting for this big ugly homophobic scene to occur but he just sort of sidles up and he's like oh your uncle's not well and it's like were you trying to get him to leave here, and then when he doesn't, you later try again or whatever. But
0: I think I think the the, the book's a bit more explicit in that he sees them have sex in the book, right. I believe. Well, he sees um, them like wrestle each other
1: to the ground and then kiss. <laughs> in the, in the yeah,
0: he, he sees them being very hands on. But in the book, it literally says like he watches him like put his trousers back on and and ride away. Yeah. But so, but yeah, like Joe Joe Aguirre kind of like. Keeps it quiet, possibly, because he's like, well, they're up here now. They can still still take care of the sheep. Well,
1: that's the thing. They're not. (laughs) Because they're supposed to sleep apart. That's the whole deal. And, like, they drink for too long, and then it's falls asleep, and then he just shares the tent with him, because it's cold. Imagine
0: if um, this is like a Geary's problem every single year, he's like, I keep sending them up to the mountain, but they just won't stop fucking. Yeah. <laughs> just, 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 just every year it's like, like a new pa- pair of like gay her- gay ranch hands go up into the mountains. Look,
1: man, you leave two people alone, camping with no light, in a, up on that mountain, they're like, oh fuck, I don't care. Anyway, <laughs> he does eventually tell them to bring the sheep down early, he claims there's a big storm coming, he tells them they did a bad job, <laughs> and they, the two of them them. I'm going to phrase it as, they awkwardly part ways, because we'll get into it. But, yeah, they have this... When they're told that they're coming down, they have this kind of... They know, like, all right, we've got to get out of here. And, like, they have a bit of a, like, jostle that turns into a, like, Jack accidentally bloodies...
0: Yeah, they're, they're having nose. a month taken away from them because they're coming down in August rather than in September. Yes. So, like, there's this, um, this pent-up, like, oh, we thought we had longer together.
1: Yeah, oh, 100%. And, like, Jack is trying to be like, hey, why do, let's be nice to each other now that we're parting and Ennis is very just like he doesn't know how to say the words I don't want it to end yet or whatever so he is just he just closes right off and he becomes very like shitty towards him and like yeah Jack accidentally busts his nose so then he punches him and it's like it becomes very important later that there is like blood on the sleeve of this shirt and he says oh oh, I can't believe I lost my shirt up there and all this and that will all take on a huge meaning towards the end of the movie but yeah and they they get told they did a terrible job and Ennis basically tries to play it cool and he's brushing Jack off when he's like are you gonna come back next summer and then when Jack is gone he doubles he's like almost literally sick with hurt (laughs) like he doubles over and dry heaves and punches the wall and then when someone sees him he like lashes out because Ennis is a very violent character as we will see keep rearing his head he he gets into a lot of fights because repressed masculinity yeah, and then we move into to act two. So like like I said, I'd say up until they like part ways is probably my favourite stretch of this movie I just think it's so simple and so beautiful and so well done
0: all of it I mean it, it definitely could have just been that and it, it, it tells a complete story it does I adore this next search of the movie because we, we go from that kind of like him retching by the side of it where he tells that guy to like fuck off when he comes by because he's like just he can't process these emotions and then we <laughs> hard cut to so his marriage to Alma
1: yeah and he's just looking like himself like for most of this movie he looks like NS Del Mar like the, the big cowboy man and then when he's getting married and he's in the suit and he does the little grin it's like This is just Heath Ledger. Look at this cheeky little Australian man.
0: Yes, he returns home. I think it's it's around here. His accent dips at some point around this point as well. I feel as long as he mumbles, that's fine. So Michelle Williams is Alma. Alma beers, who is so phenomenal, so good. She should have won the Oscar. (laughs) Probably. I'm, just, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that a lot. Like Jake's the only one that I'm not like go, w- willing to put like it down and go like should have won the Oscar. Michelle should have won the Oscar. So they live together. They have two kids, and she's complaining about like she wants to live close to the town, but uh, for some reason Ennis has this obsession with like working on ranches and just wants to live out in the middle of nowhere rather than close okay. to town. I think
1: he just feels this like intense, almost literally beaten into him by his father this lifestyle because he always resists anything that isn't just ranch work.
0: Which which is why he makes no money. Exactly. Because he keeps on, like, in this dining industry in America where, exactly. like, no one is doing this anymore. We're heading into the 1970s. This isn't a thing that is a sustainable...
1: Yeah. She definitely wants a better life for them because they start off not all that well off and they get progressively poorer and, like, he ends up in a fucking trailer park by the end of it. It's crazy. And
0: but She marries the, the, the local <laughs> grocer man. Yeah,
1: her boss. You know, we see them have sex and, you know, he is very... Physical with her, right? They do kiss a lot and stuff, but there is this subtext of he has to have the lights off and he has to take her from behind and she has to be very like, come here, and he's like drawing away from her. And it's like, well, yeah, we know what's going down here. It, like. it, it,
0: it's interesting that the movie that, like kind of phrases that way because the books a lot more like the sex between them is actually like erotic. It's, in story, the sex is a lot more erotic, like it describes like the build up to it and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas in the fi- in the film, like this, this first sex scene is very much like him turning her away from him he can only do it from behind yeah feels like this implication that he's trying to relive those moments of jack
1: aspects of the like straight relationships are like pretty hot like the the, the scenes between jake and Anne that they would like enjoy so much they'd make a whole movie about in uh, love and other drugs they're really like erotic and it's like it's not that they're not they don't enjoy the female form and i think given again how like instilled straightness would have been in both of them it would be hard for them to not enjoy it. It's just, you know, they they want what they want. She is, of course, put off by his... They go to, like, a 4th of July celebration, and he, like, picks a fight with these two drunks who are, like, cursing up a storm in front of kids and everything, and he, he beats the shit out of them, and she's very, like, horrified by it, and it's this ongoing thing that... I feel a number of people had a problem with it. Like you were saying, like, you know, John Wayne's... Turning his grave, but like that, it's almost a takedown of the traditional American man. And it's like, while some would identify him as like strong and good for defending his woman and all that, she instead reacts with horror. And it's like because he picks so many fights in this movie, he does constantly, including and with Jack, including like, with like, Alma.
0: Yeah, like he's he's so bad at choosing his, he can't express himself well enough. And the only way he knows how to express himself is violence. Exactly. And you like the Fourth of July fight. There's, and uh, we'll get we'll get to the kind of other the big failed fight you also see she works at a
1: grocery store in town or whatever and like he rocks up dragging the kids and just dumps them on her while she's in the middle of her shift so he can go to do some work it's not even that like he
0: has to start
1: you know like she's in the middle of work
0: and and chances are the work he's gonna do is gonna pay them less than what she's doing
1: exactly and it's just there is this inescapable thing where he has just some really shitty gender role ideas, but, like, again, the reasons behind why he is how he is are so, like, tragic. I, I don't want to say I don't blame Ennis, because it's like, there are plenty of people that are taught shitty things that go on to not be shitty themselves. So, it, I don't want to blame him, but I also don't want to absolve him fully, but yeah. No, I, some, I think there is I, some fucked stuff happening with him. Yeah,
0: I he, think the thing the thing about this is, is like, he's a character. Like, I think, I know, but I just think it's quite notable that we're both referring to them as the name of the characters which i feel like
1: we just kept saying denzel by accident in training
0: yeah exactly like we 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 slip into it when it's someone who's bigger than the role whereas this all of them slot so easily into their roles yeah it's a character he's a flawed character he's not a good he's not a good person no but he's interesting and yeah uh, he's he's incredibly interesting
1: meanwhile jack he actually tries to go back to brobat mountain or he does go back to brobat mountain looking for Identical work and Joe just flat out tells him. No, I've got no work for you And again, you're waiting for this big homophobic scene where it's like I ain't employing no fucking queers
0: or whatever But while we we get the line twist you guys weren't getting paid to leave the dogs babysit the sheep while you stem the rose Which is gorgeous (laughs) and beautiful and
1: yes there yeah, is like, undeniably it's... this this subtext of homophobia, but I think most films would actually fully lean into it and have that ugly scene where like, oh, and look at this homophobic man, we judge him. In his defence, they were incredibly negligent <laughs> of their job.
0: I wish we knew how much they fucked up because all we saw is the death of one sheep. Sure. Obviously, more than one sheep died because he's like, I'm not happy with the number. But like, is he unhappy because they came back with two too far? Like, they lost 200 or whatever, or is he unhappy because
1: exactly that's what I mean. Why it's like subtext, but it's like, there is that other side of it where, like, I'm sure he doesn't approve, but also it's like in a world where he'd employed a man and a woman to go up there, he wouldn't be happy if they'd fucked, I would imagine. <laughs> but yeah. We don't like Randy Quaid as a human being and he's well cast as a human being we don't But the like. thing is
0: that we do also get into, like, if we want to discuss, like, because obviously Jack complains an awful lot that he's, what he's making them do is, like, unethical. He's basically saying, you come to the camp, you eat food, and then you go spend the rest of the time with the sheep. That is not how this is supposed to work. It's supposed to be us both in the sh- in the, in the the tent rather than living on the mountainside with the sheep in a place where the, the park services are, yeah. don't want this to be.
1: And also, like, it's fucking freezing cold sometimes, like, there's that a scene where, is it Ennis emerges from the tent and, like, it's just, the tent has even been, like, a Yeah, because even snow. though
0: it's summer, they're in such high altitude that it still will snow. Yeah. He says it melts in, like, an hour or so, but, like, it yeah. still, like, wakes up to that.
1: And, and as I said, he struggles with the rodeo that we see, but then he meets Lorraine, who is, I can't remember what they call her, like, a barrel rider. Or some specific thing, and they start dating, and they have a child, and they are married. But we don't see them get married in the way we do Elmer and-, and Ennis. But I respect her commitment to her aesthetic. That even her bra is like this sort of rodeo theme. You know, it's like everything has to be. I live this life. This is for real, Z's.
0: I-, I love that every interview she does, because she's come out and done like an interview where she said like I only get my I only get my breasts out when I do movies with Jake. Um, <laughs> yeah. And there's this like interesting subject. It's like Are you implying that you just feel safe around Jake for whatever reason? Potentially the (laughs) rumours going around about Jim Jill Hall are maybe true. come on now.
1: It's not... I don't want to say she's the worst of the big four, it's just the other three, I think, get a lot more to do than And she
0: does. yes, I will say she also should have been nominated for an Oscar because I think her phone call scene later on in the movie is That is stupendous. a very good scene, yes. Is, is, is stupendous. She awesome. does so much with so little in this that sp- scene.
1: But I just, I feel Lorraine is presented to us as a far more simple character than the other three who have multitudes or whatever. Her father having just pure disdain for him and calling him rodeo or whatever and like shoving him out the way while... Like they coo over the baby and stuff it's all just good good stuff so eventually I think four years later
0: four years later Jack sends a letter to Ennis
1: well it's postcards they swap postcards, postcards. yes
0: and they arrange a dinner
1: and well when Jack arrives they, they you know Ennis like bounds down the stairs like he like I,
0: no, I I loved it even before this Ennis is just like he gets the postcard and then he immediately drives to the post office to yeah, send him a reply. Yeah, yeah. like not even like I'll send him a note on my way to whatever he's like I must immediately sent this letter yeah, now yeah.
1: and he's like sitting there like a hurt bunny while it's like oh is jack even gonna show up and then as soon as he hits he's taken the, the whole
0: day off from work he doesn't know what time he's gonna be there he's just sat there in the window like yeah. kind of like
1: And then, as soon as he gets there, huge grin on his face, bounds down the stairs. Like, I love that his lie is that they're old fishing buddies. Like, he could have just said, We met herding sheep, and, like, the lie would have held together better because you clearly don't know nothing about fishing and you get outed because of that. They almost kiss in their, like, tight hug. And then they They have the most aggressive makeout session that I've ever seen. Before that, like, Ennis, like, looks around quite a bit and is like, I'm not here, man. And then, like, not even that well hidden. They just, this must be where he's almost broke his nose because it's like so violently intensely passionate and Williams famously kept asking them to make it more intense to help her with the scene because she was like if you just do this like softly I'm getting no like emotional impact from this it needs to be like fierce like I need (laughs) do do this for me you two hot men make up for me exactly do it man I'm going out with right now
0: Every scene she has after she sees it is so good because there's so So much subtext to everything she's doing
1: but I just I think it does need to be that intense because you have to get across the idea that it's like he is getting something from him that he has never gotten from her and like he's never kissed me like that and stuff like that so I think she was right to keep pushing them to make it more intense and also you know maybe for her own giggles they go get a motel room and they catch up on the last three, uh four years and then after that and it's literally when he's like packing up to go on this fishing expedition and he's like got short answers for every one of her questions and like she's like, oh, could you go get, go get me some smokes? And he's like, oh, there's some in the top pocket over there. Bye, 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 bye. And like, he picks up their daughter, and you're like, oh, this will be the thing that makes him think twice about it. But he just literally hands her over to Alma. It's, it's like, yeah, you take this. Bye. And off he goes. And it's like, again, there may even be some homophobia from Alma where she may judge them for what they do or whatever but like again where it's like the the front and centre part of it is you are expecting a fight of them having to overcome homophobia. This is still an affair like an affair is an affair is an affair regardless of how she feels about who he's having an affair with. He is having an affair.
0: Yeah like the, the, the emotions are about like it, it, some of it is like, like do I know my husband what he's really well, like yeah. but it's also like so much like just being hurt like he's doing this and yeah. doing it so bra- blatantly as well. Yeah he is. because like Real not good at this because they stay married for so many years. I after know, this.
1: I know. It's such a shock when you realize how long they stay together. And like, yeah. So they 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 go away for two days and camp on Brokeback Mountain, and Jack outright is like, "Hey, we could just live like this. Like, let's just go get a, a ranch in the middle of nowhere and just be together." And Ennis is like, "No." <laughs> and yeah, um, like because the guy like he, this, this is, is where he, he tells, tells the, story. the story. Yeah, it's so oh, it's so fucked up. Really, really is. And like, I don't know if it makes it better or worse that you actually see a visual representation of it i think it helps with the phone call scene much later but like it's just so dark. i kind
0: of wish i kind of wish they didn't go in for the close-up i kind not like yeah. that, I yeah, wish yeah, that yeah, wasn't yeah.
1: there for sure he's also got that whole thing of like we are both married with children jack's fully just going like well, let's just abandon the kids yeah fuck all that this is all just pretend <laughs>
0: i mean even even in the book jack kind of like comes out and says i never intended having a child lorraine deals with the child well, you I don't seem trying to pick to up
1: that. a dude in that bar and then lorraine i don't think it's the same i think it's the same bar Lorraine like aggressively pursues him instead and it's just like yeah this is clearly nothing he planned for but yeah and 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 its also has that like on top of the the masculinity and the and all of that there is also this like sense of duty to the family although I've got to say he seems like a pretty shitty husband and father but yeah and and so instead you know he says like we'll do this as long as we can and, and they basically are just gonna do this here and there over the years until they just can't anymore and we see Jack like transitions into selling farming equipment as part of like Lorraine's family business and that and they we, we can see they get wealthier and stuff as
0: she's the matriarch she's like doing taxes whenever we see her and we never see Ennis more happy than when Jack comes to town. Jack's always the one who does the driving. Yep. Maureen's always confused. Like, why do you drive, why do you go all this way?
1: Fourteen hours each way. Yeah, insane. Especially the one where like because right. So Ennis yeah. and Alma get divorced in November of seventy five.
0: Well, before before we, I just want to okay. say like every scene with Alma, like the scene where she sat there at the, co- at the table with a coffee cup in her hand, yeah. like the morning after he gets back, is heartbreakingly yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, Um, her dejectedly passing him the, the 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 like fishing equipment that she knows he's not going to use. Aren't you forgetting?
1: Uh, Something. Yeah, like, she, oh, she yeah.
0: just she does so much with so few lines at this point.
1: Yeah. Her yep. storming off to go to work and like him like cursing up a storm in front of the kids and then like yeah. And
0: and there one of their last times when they try and all ha- the uh, the second time we see them have sex where like it seems <sighs> to be going well and then she's like, can you put on? I love that this is what does it know. for
1: him, you know? Or, or <laughs> it's like you, know, you don't want no more of my kids and it's like okay, man.
0: But like it is yeah. It's this weird moment where it's like I, for so, like I don't know if it's that idea of like masculinity must be I must create more children or if it's like for whatever reason I don't use condoms with Jack which don't do kids if you are engaging in sex with both men and women always use condoms
1: (laughs) yes yes do do that yeah and it's like again there is this she reasons it as a economic reason of like we're pretty behind on bills so I we probably shouldn't have more children and it's like that's a completely fair thing to say but again it's like the whole class and rich and poor thing is very much secondary or even tertiary to the other stuff that is going on but yeah there is this thing of like these two are just desperately poor and like I don't know if they're living in the same place when we first see them together and then like when you see her storming off past the swings and everything it, it seems that like is, it. That, is where, that is where Jack
0: and, Jack okay. and Ennis t- you
1: see Ennis's living situation just get worse and worse and worse but when Jack drives all the way up there the second he gets the postcard about the divorce and then Ennis and me Immediately knocks him back. To be fair to Ennis, he does have both
0: kids with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, so he's he, at least he's got to pay to be a
1: alimony, dad. and he well, he only see, he only gets them once a month. That's crazy. And he skipped one of the months, and yeah, he has the girls there, and it's like, yeah, absolutely, that's that's fine. I meant more from like when we were talking about like the crazy. Oh, yeah, like... of, of Jack does all the driving and how far it is, and it's like, geez, like no, won't... absolutely, yeah.
0: Jack Jack is so into him at this point. Jack is like, we we can finally be together. I will I will leave Lorraine now. Let's yeah. go live together in wood like, somewhere We could and... do our
1: marriage Over the phone And stuff like
0: that And Ennis and is like I'm, I'm with the kids right now Like yeah I, I, I read it as like Being both A dejection of him Like I can't do that Because I've got my kids But also like I can't do this now I can't run off with you now Yeah, yeah Because yeah. Because of that And so And also I can't Jack... be
1: gay In front of my kids Even though they're not gonna like Start fucking right there Or anything It's like while, not, while, while my kids, kids are here Like I have to be in this Like authoritarian Masculine Patriarch role he seems reluctant to even talk about any of it he jack responds by driving down to mexico and uh
0: having sex with a cinematographer
1: yes (laughs) who was taller than the person they originally cast and angley didn't like how short the person was so he's like in you go, si senor
0: well i didn't i didn't actually know that that was like a thing like because obviously like they mention it quite often like it's a thing to people that go to mexico
1: yes you see the sign of, like, El Paso is this far away, and it's like, okay, yeah, you're heading down old Mexico way, and, like, an enormous number of things to unpack about, like, Mexico and and, and poverty and, and sexuality and all these sorts of things. Anyway, uh. we see there like, uh, awkward, terrible Thanksgivings. Jack gets his fuck yeah moment when he tells off Lorraine's father who, like, he insists on carving the turkey and, like, Jack turns off the TV. Their son wants to watch football during Thanksgiving, which is uh, very American, blah blah blah. The irony being they're watching a pair of Canadian teams face each other, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I like I like that you picked up on that. I did. Lorraine doesn't approve of him watching, but you can tell she's like, I don't get
0: Dad, to... dad Daddy's in charge.
1: Yeah, dad and, and well, <laughs> both my my dad and your dad are in charge and I'm just a woman. I do not get to say these things. So, and then Jack is like, yeah, I'll go turn it off. And then I don't even know the name of Lorraine's father. But yeah, he goes and turns it back on and then Jack turns it off again. And then he starts walking over to do it. And he's like, you fucking sit your ass down. Like, you're my guest. It's my house. It's my TV. And then, like, he sulks to the degree that he doesn't even want to carve the bird anymore. And he's just sitting there silently. I like Lorraine's little, like rise smile yeah, like, that someone like this, told this off is, her
0: father this is one of jake Gyllenhaal's best scenes in the movie yeah i love it um, is 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 this little outburst right now because like again like he is someone who's so chill and so laid back but he's been so dejected by Ennis and like being in this marriage that he's not fully committed to even though he has had sexual attraction to Lorena in the past yeah i mean but he's so Anne Hathaway he is finally,
1: objectively good-looking human being let's be real and i mean they're all,
0: they're all objectively good-looking human beings this in this tr- movie this is true
1: and it's also i i feel a part of what triggers him is when he's like, you know, you want him to grow up and be a man. He should watch football. It's, yeah, know. there's this
0: like subtle, this implication that like, does he know? Does he get a feeling that 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 Jack is like queer in some way? Like, because that's the thing is like, they, they obviously like just they don't like him because he's a rodeo guy. But there's something. You get more... the sense
1: he doesn't think he's manly enough or whatever, and he doesn't respect him because he man, has also
0: and... grown this awful mustache at this
1: point. He really has. He's looking like a pervert. There is a very slim number of men that can pull off a mustache, and so. Jake, you have not qualified. Meanwhile Ennis is the sort of third wheel as Alma has remarried the boss from the convenience store or whatever, who has just presented as the most passive man alive, as a direct <laughs> contrast to Big Strong Cowboy. I mean, Ennis is somewhat passive, but like, there is like a force about him, and he's like a physically large looking man and everything. And then you just have this guy who's just smiling and doing nothing and everything.
0: And... He sits and like smokes a cigar whilst like, they're in the kitchen having the fight that they should have had before they ended up their marriage.
1: Exactly, yeah, like she presents She's all like, you know, oh, you haven't remarried and we worry about you. And it's like, and then she fucking lays it all on the line. She's like, look, I put a note on your fishing line that still had the price tag on it and said, bring me back some fish. You know how much we like fish. And you told me how many fish you caught, but you ate them all. And then I, I checked your stuff and that note was still there and everything. And it's like, and like the second she really puts it out there, he pretty much fucking assaults her. Like he, I think he like grabs at her and like starts pushing her into the countertop or something but yeah
0: the, the the short story describes as he goes past like this line that he's got in his head for mm-hmm. what she's supposed to say yes um, is what triggers it and like and like you can tell that maybe she goes a touch too far for like where they're having this conversation like he's like jack nasty is, <laughs> jack
1: nasty <laughs> and then he like just fucking storms out and the implication is he rarely sees that like, I don't know if he like ever sees Alma again
0: yeah I mean um, even, even the book says it's like he, he leaves and he's like my daughters will figure out how awful Alma is um, and they'll and they'll come back to me. And it's like Jesus, like he's he's fully willing to abandon his kids yep. for them to realize that their mother who loves them and cares about them. Because like the, the daughters have nothing to square against Alma, but yet he's like they will come to me for love.
1: Yeah, and you, and you mentioned earlier we get this failed fight where like he's walking across a road and a guy almost hits him with a truck and then like he tries to drag him out and beat the shit out of him but the tables just turn and he just gets the fuck kicked out of him and it's just so like this is all you know how to do or this is the only way you know how to express yourself and it hasn't even worked in this instance or whatever it's just like seeing him just covering up on the ground and it just fades to black or whatever it's like oh sad stuff we also see his brief tryst with Cassie uh Linda Cardellini it's a weird one because it's almost a Lorene situation where she's having to like aggressively pursue him and he's sort of reluctant but it's like yeah okay and like they're dating a little bit and like I think
0: it, it, it's one of those things where like I think Alma does get in his head and he's like I Need to have something of a cover. Like sure. if she's fig- if she's figured this out, I need something. Again, like we're getting to the point where it's so hard to discuss the sexuality of these two because the one true relationship is with each other, mm-hmm. and they do show sexual attraction to women, but so much of it does feel like they, they're using these women Yeah, <laughs> they, they're they using these women for something that they're not, and it's like this whole idea between, like, there's sexual attraction and then there's romantic attraction, and mm-hmm. the romantic attraction is between Ennis and Jack yes. and everything else is like I, I struggle to say, like, performative sexual attraction but, uh, but it is very much, it does feel like there is a performance yeah. going on there to kind of, like, wrestle down these feelings
1: Well, like, even when, like, if you think back to Ennis and Alma's Wedding. He seems a little bit, like, phased out while they're doing the vows and everything, and, like, he's when he tells Jack about her at the mountain, you get this idea, you know, he's just been with her forever, and it's just, like, an inevitability that he will marry her at some point, and just seems very, like, just doing what you're supposed to, as it were. It's not that I don't think there's room in the movie for Cassie, it's just, this is where I'm, like, we are starting things when you should be wrapping up this story. I know,
0: uh, because I do think the payoff of her is is fantastic.
1: This is what I mean. It's like, all of these things that they put in her, they are good. And like, he's basically ghosted her and she's with someone else. And she's like, yo, what the fuck, man? Yeah, like,
0: like that, I, I love you. Yeah. Like, oh, I loved you.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like, she even asked uh Junior, like, do you think he will settle down again or whatever? And it's like, we know he won't. But I just think, in the interest <laughs> of a of a slightly tighter narrative, we had one too many elements being introduced quite late on. It's not that the elements yeah, I mean, are bad; it's just they come so late. It's like, come on.
0: I think I think it's because Linda Cardellini does get the the three scenes, which 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 is more than like cause obviously Anna Farisson and David Harbor about to show up <laughs> yeah. um, for, for their one scene but uh, but Linda Carlini gets the three scenes and I think they all pay off each other and it's this kind of like systemic like or this cult cumulative like how much he's fucked his life up or how much he's fucking other people's lives up by, yeah. not, by not doing this stuff because like he's fucked up Jack Twist's life, he's fucked up Alma's life, he's fucked up uh, his daughter's life, he's fucked up Cassie's life, there's all these characters that yeah. because he cannot emotionally engage or like actually confront what's going on in his head he's he's emotionally hurting these other people yeah. and he refuses, um,
1: Junior asks to move in with him potentially temporarily and he's just like, no, nah, I'll I'll, be, I'll never be home. And he's just like, yeah, bye. And she takes it like a champ <laughs> like with the little smile and everything. She's like, it's fine. But it's like, just fully rejecting your daughter in that way. It's like, she, he's lucky that Junior continues to go to him, I feel. But yeah. yeah. But, uh, you,
0: she, but it's like, she's the oldest. It's that thing where it's like, he's, he's my dad. So yeah, why wouldn't I go to him? Hey, um, people and their fathers, man.
1: Um, yeah. This is, as you said, where Jack meets Randall Malone, who is just... Another nearby person. I, it's like at some sort of function, and they're both people in the community, whatever. And they're there's
0: the implications. That they pick them up from the side of the road because their car's like broken down.
1: And they're both very like oh, wives, huh? And or whatever. And
0: both wives are ranting about how their husbands won't. Dance uh, with them they, them a, 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 yeah, The subtext is like they won't sexually please them or anything like that. In mm-hmm. certain ways, they won't dance with us. They won't engage with them physically. There's lots of looks between Randall and Jack at this point, and, and then, then Jack takes. Jack takes LaShawn for a dance and we get this wonderfully like uncondensed like Anna Fa- pure Anna Faris for about like two minutes.
1: <laughs> here's the accent work. Here's me talking too much. Is Yeah. It's so weird seeing these two show up so late in the movie. And like David Harbour, I guess, didn't get like a person that people know until like, I guess, Stranger Things. Like you would recognize Yeah, If you,
0: if you, if you look at his Wikipedia page, it literally starts with Jim Hopper in Netflix series Stranger Things. Yeah, But Anna like, Faris was like, well, Anna we, t- was we talked about
1: it. Exactly. She's
0: lost a translation. She's done three scary movies at this point.
1: Yeah, which, you know, regardless of the quality are known. And yeah. I, it's just strange to see these recognisable people debut, what, 10, 15 minutes before the end? It's like, oh, okay.
0: I want more Anna Faris showing up in, like, Oscar-nominated movies. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, she's good in Lost in Translation and she's good in this. Her filmography like, is it... stealth real good.
1: <laughs> you get to scene where Randall, like, he's like, oh, yeah, my boss, there's this cabin. We I've got
0: go use for, ca- for cabin. We
1: could fish and drink. <laughs> Maybe we could go there together. It's like, okay. And this comes immediately after after, like, Ennis and Jack in one of their camping things, he's he says something to the effect of, are you ever just walking around and you think someone just Knows and it's like and then immediately you get this thing
0: where Randall has like sussed
1: out Jack upon first meeting him or whatever and
0: but then you got that thing where like people people who are know oh yeah and yeah. like so much that like and it's so risky for both of them and you can tell that this is ultimately what would be Jack's downfall is a, a, maybe a brazenness or maybe a lack of subtlety in how he goes about it because wow. I mean obviously early on got the scene where like he goes into the bar and like offers to buy this guy a drink because he's the best damn rodeo clown he's ever worked with and the guy just like gives him, him the side.
1: Eye and walks over to the other guys, and yeah,
0: so I was whispering, and then Jack runs away because like he's scared because he knows, of course, something terrible could happen. Yes,
1: on this same camping trip, like that, that when they're swapping stories, he he does say how like oh I've been sleeping with this lady, and like every time I go over there, I think the husband's gonna catch me, and it's like well, like you said earlier, like it's clearly the opposite, and he's talking about banging David Harbour while uh, Anna Faris might find out. So the two finally have their angry, tearful breakup. And Ennis uses the phrase, well he says like he blames Jack for being making him like this and like making him feel so lost and everything. It's just this like there's so much to unpack there with like putting blame on someone for your confusion and it's just like oh if I'd never met you I'd just be living this happy straight life where I'm clearly not that happy or that straight but whatever or maybe he is like I think Heath Ledger has put it as if he'd never met Jack yeah like it's just about Jack for him like he met a special person you know like someone who he has that deeper like romantic forever ever bond with and it happens to be a man whereas Jack is dealing with much more of a life of an identity as a gay man that he must repress, whereas for Ennis, it's like, you are my one person, or whatever. But just, yeah, it's so, so good. Like, probably the best scene in the movie. <laughs> like, because you get the iconic lines of, I wish yeah, I no, could no, quit like, you,
0: and... you got, got no fucking idea how bad it gets. I'm not you. I can't make it on a couple high-altitude tu- high fucks once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. You're too much for me, Ennis. You son of a horse and bitch. I wish I knew how to quit you. It, like, again, like, that whole thing becomes memetic, but, like, just the, the couple of high-altitude fucks is just this beautifully like lyrical <laughs> Crass idea, yeah.
1: and I think was it the last time they saw each the one where they're like swapping stories about like oh I'm banging this lady. He says sometimes I just miss you so much it hurts or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, yeah and just the two of them here and like oh god. And and again they they pretty much almost fight and and you you get that flashback to just this quiet tender moment between them where like he's like oh are you sleeping standing up and like just hugs him from behind and it's just like so wholesome and and nice and then just to flash flashback. Like I said, it's, it's almost jarring seeing how much younger they look because you don't really track it that much that they are growing up uh, over these 20 years but when you see them side by side this like, here they are clean shaven and young and youthful and here they are looking a bit more haggard and, and dressing different and one of them's got a pervert moustache. It's really stark and like Ennis reluctantly lets Jack hold him but then Jack just has to watch him drive away and it's just... I th- and I think that whole scene just sort of speaks for itself and like there's not really much we could see say here that would do more than they are doing in this scene. And uh, No, yeah, like
0: this This is, Jake deserves his Oscar nomination for this scene alone, He's yeah. just, I think he's the less charismatic of the two. But it's and, a different uh, role. So, like, the whole thing role. is
1: centred around Ennis and, and how he yeah. deals with it all. Yeah, and, and as you said, the last time they see each other because Ennis receives word that Jack is dead, and, and he calls Lorreen and she tells him...
0: Jack was pumping up a flat on the truck out on a back road when the tyre blew up, the bead was damaged somehow, and the force of the explosion slammed the rim into his face, Broke his nose in Dura and knocked him unconscious on his back. But by the time someone came along he had drowned in his own blood. Yeah. And she does it in this such short clipped, rehearsed manner. Yes, that it that-
1: feels very rehearsed, it feels overly elaborate, conveniently Oh, this this freak series of circumstances that we had to I had to think about how it would happen, so that's how I know it all. But while she's telling him over the phone, we see a scene of three men beating the fuck out of J.J. on the whole with a tire. Yeah, you know and right? whether or not
0: that is what Ennis is imagining happened, or whether or not that is the actual facts of the events, it, it's not one hundred percent clear.
1: He continually—it's not just that first story. Where he tells him the haunting thing about his childhood. He's like, "I don't want to die because of, or I don't want you to die, or you know, all this is his constant fear that if we are found out, we will be killed. Which may have happened, but I think there is an ambiguity to it because it's like, is this what he's imagining really happened, or? Is she covering up and like?
0: I think it's pretty clear that like he was murdered. Well, but I think the ambiguity is like, it, did it happen in this exact way? Is is okay. this is this thing we're being shown?
1: Well, like the in, actual. I death know death. in the in the book. Or in the short story, it is implicit that like, he was murdered.
0: Yeah, like, like I think I think Ennis literally says, like, and then he knew. And it's, it's clear.
1: But the way they pull this, like, Anne Hathaway says she did two takes. One where she knows everything, that her husband was gay and had been having many affairs with many men. And one where what she's saying is factually true. And they used clips of both takes and she herself says I don't want to know what happened I know Ang Lee knows but I don't want to know and I would rather just enjoy it as a member of the audience who doesn't know and it's it is this thing that you can only achieve with the film medium where you can have words being spoken that do not match with what you are seeing you can't do that yeah. in a book you can't do that in other stuff and it's like it is really powerful and like I think most people do end up with the idea that like he was murdered
0: I think you can argue because like, I think just the way that it's so short and clipped and so rehearsed what the was, but also that they used what seems to me clips of her figuring out who Ennis is, where she goes like I know you, you're yeah. the friend I would have called you. Yeah, and like there's this like slight implicit nature to like she was aware that he was going away mm-hmm. to see a man multiple times a year and it wasn't for fishing. Yes, and again Anne Hathaway is so good in this scene because this is so like she's doing this on a room on her own on the phone and there's so much subtext to everything that she's saying. Do you know what it reminds me of? The scene in The Dark
1: Knight Rises where Uh, Her voice changes in the middle of a... Well, she does it a couple of times. There's, There's the... At the beginning, when she's like oh silly me and then she like drops her act or whatever and then later on in the bar when she s- flips between being like in command and then like shrieking like girlishly and everything just that sort of she has this side to her that she's able to draw on and, and she does it in multiple movies where you get this almost sinister very in command like like style to her and it's like I know she's being a bit robotic on purpose but like there's this sort of when throughout the film we see her being a bit more sort of happy-go-lucky smiley and here you see her just dour and just choosing her words and everything. Else,
0: so yeah, like she's she's so good. She should have been nominated for this. I'm still I, I, in my head. I was like, this is after Devil Wears Prada, but no, this is the year before Devil Wears Prada, yeah. which is obviously like her breakout. But she's superb. She doesn't do enough kind of like serious stuff. Like if you look at her filmography, like that she she obviously has like fantastic performances in. Yeah. Of oh, oh, Devil of Prada is is so singular. She's really good in Miz, Even if I don't think Lameez is is the best, but then it's just other stuff like she's in. In Alice with the Looking Glass and Alice in Wonderland she's in Serenity that awful movie with a twist where <laughs> it's insane The Hustle's her latest movie like yeah. I wish she did more like she's good when she does like the lazy hangout movies like Love and Other Drugs is just charisma at the walls but I want more of like leading performance doing something that kind of like blurs the line between comedy and drama because she's such a good dramatic actress and so, she should do it more often
1: so are we saying this movie should have been at least nominated if not won for director picture lead actor Heath Ledger supporting actor, Jake Gyllenhaal, lead actress it Michelle should, I, Williams, supporting I, I think should actress, have had, Anne Hathaway.
0: Yes, it should, it should have had a nomination for supporting actor, but necessarily shouldn't have won. It should have won supporting actress for Michelle Williams and Anne Hathaway should have also been nominated for supporting actress. Sure,
1: but we're saying, like, clean sweep for the big four the film and the director.
0: Yeah, and, and we should have won cinematography as well.
1: Oh yeah, oh it's fucking beautiful beautiful film. Uh, yeah. Memoirs of
0: the Geisha, which is a gorgeous movie as well, yeah. to, be,
1: to be fair. So she also mentions how Half His Ashes were dealt with here, and He wanted, the other half went to his parents, he wanted them to be scattered on Brokeback Mountain, but knowing him, that may not even be a real place, and so Ennis goes to meet Jack's parents and offers to take the ashes, but his father is very, like, no, they're going in the plot and the acting here from the father is very like I know and I don't approve because they talk about how he had talked about bringing Ennis here to this ranch and like doing it up and and, we'll just just
0: come here and hang out and do up the ranch and then live in a little shack because we're just two best buds who love to spend time together
1: Indeed, but he mentions how he brought another man up here, and we can infer that that was David Harbour, and
0: maybe this is how... Jack... Did he bring him up, or did he, like, say he was gonna bring him up? Like, he came by the previous summer and no. was like... I, I don't know if it's one or the other, because I think I, like he came up with half-baked plans for this other person.
1: I potentially read it as he did bring David Harbour, and that might be how he got found out, is that yeah. he, he was too bold in his, in his actions.
0: Both parents seem keenly
1: aware of the situation, the mother seems less disapproving i think that's
0: the important thing is like ennis's father is the one who's showing him a corpse of a man who lived with another man whereas jack's mother doesn't feel like she judges her reaction is like do you want a cup of tea do you want to go to see his childhood bedroom
1: i think uh, for her it's like this isn't conventional or like what i would choose as it were but i i understand who you were to him so yeah, you, th- whereas the father is like seems very like I'm not I'm not cool
0: with this. <laughs> but, I, but I still think there's a remarkable like even like, for that age or for that era that he doesn't chase him out the house. No. He says he doesn't he doesn't approve of it. He puts his foot down about the ashes, which is semi understandable in terms of like I want my son to be buried with the family plot, which he could quite easily say, like I don't want him anywhere near the rest of my family. He doesn't balk when he true. comes down with the shirts. Well yeah, like, we just take his son's belongings.
1: Yeah, we get this scene where he does go. Up and explore the room, and and he finds. So he's got this like open closet, wardrobe, cupboard, whatever, with all of his stuff. But then there's like a very narrow gap at the edge of it, and there's a bit poking out, and he pulls out their two shirts: the one that has his blood on it that Jack was wearing, and his own one that he that he lost up the mountain, and they had been arranged in such a way that Ennis's is inside of Jack's and he holds them both, and he just smells them and just breaks down, and, like, if there's any pretense that he's trying to act like oh we're just friends when he first got there when he comes down the stairs holding these two shirts with like barely held back tears in his eyes it's like there is no way of escaping like this is the closest he comes to being like yeah admitting to anyone other than Jack that he is involved with him or whatever and like the mother like gets a bag for them and
0: everything the, the shirt seemed heavy until he saw there was another shirt inside it the sleeves carefully worked down inside Jack's sleeves it was his own plaid shirt lost he thought long ago in some damn laundry his dirty shirt the pocket ripped buttons missing stolen by jack and hidden here inside jack's own shirt the pair like two skins one inside the other two in one he pressed his face into the fabric and breathed in slowly through his mouth and nose hoping for the faintest smoke and mountain sage and salty sweet stink of jack but there was no real scent only the memory of it the imagined power of brokeback mountain of which nothing was left but what he held in his hands Wow. I don't want to keep
1: talking now, but... (laughs) (laughs) So, we do get a scene after this. I think this easily could have been the final scene in the movie, but Ennis is in a trailer park now. It seems he's just gotten there, because he's, like, setting up the mailbox and everything. Junior comes by, now played by Kate Mara, and tells him she's getting married and at first he's about to unroll the usual excuse and he's like oh I don't know I've got work and all that but then he's like but I think I can just tell them to find someone else and, he, and she's of course very happy about that and she goes on her way and the film ends with him he's got the shirts hanging on the inside of this cupboard and also one he's of th- I guess it's the first the postcard, yeah, there's a post yeah, the postcard In in, in, in the
0: short story he goes out and buys one himself oh okay. But this could quite easily be like the one that Jack said I, I th- think Jack does send one that mountain.
1: The first one or something, but he has it pinned up, and the shirts are there, and they are hung the opposite way this time, where Jack's one is inside of Ennis's, and this was supposed to be Heath Ledger's idea, and I think it may not be present in the
0: book, but... Um, it's, it's, not, it's not explicit if it is.
1: Okay, and he says, Jack, I swear, well, I say he says, he mumbles, and just weeps and steps out of
0: frame, and then that's the end of the movie and like the score swells up the score is stupendous uh it's gustavo Santaolala. wow i I apologize deeply yes (laughs) the music the the the
1: guitar score throughout is incredible the the simplicity the stripped back nature of just his some acoustic guitar and then a lot of the movie is quite silent like when he's exploring the bedroom and it's just deadly quiet it's just so haunting and but yeah the the music throughout is is great and how do you interpret that i swear like what is the end of that sentence? Because it's I swear dot 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 clearly. Like what? Uh, and he, that mean he's more to like you? he never
0: swore anything to Jack in life, and like I, I don't know. Like if it, like if he's making a promise. Whatever that promise is, maybe it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna. Be, be with the people I love because yeah. I feel like that that's the whole thing is like because he says to his daughter and Kate Murray's really good in that scene but like he's going to yep. be at her wedding and he's been avoiding these kind of like things he loves and at the end of the day he does love his daughters of course and he's he's making this renewed promise to Jack that like I'm not going to lose the people in my life who I love I'm yeah. not going to if you love someone that one grab hold of them yeah <laughs> and, I, and I feel like that's kind of maybe what the implication is but yeah I, I love that it doesn't finish it like there there is some final thought to that but we don't get to hear it it's it, it, like, for him that's for yeah. them it's like the whisper at the end of Lost in Translation But sure. even less, like we cannot find out What that is yeah. One of Daniel
1: Day-Lewis's favourite scenes ever in a movie apparently
0: He called out, I think like he, he won his SAG for There Will Be Blood about yeah. Five days after he died And I think he, he paused his speech To be like, this is one of the greatest pieces of acting That I've ever seen, yeah. in the middle of accepting An award for his, one of his, his lifetime performances
1: of it. Oh well, yeah For There Will Be Blood, but you know, he's like yeah. The actor, could they not find an actress For Jenny, like there's so much Junior, maybe she's the favorite daughter or whatever. But it's just like you see both of the girls quite a lot, and then once they hit a certain age, you get a sort of teenage Jenny, and then you get Kate Mara at the end. Here, it's just like uh, sorry, a teenage version of her, and then you see Kate Mara playing her at the end. It's
0: just like Disney. I mean, it's it's not like there isn't a different Mara sister.
1: Yeah, was Rooney not there? It
0: like, <laughs> was Rooney, was Rooney not available? Maybe Rooney wasn't interacting at that point. But yeah, it's it's
1: an understated ending, and it's beautiful. And you get the song playing at the end is the one that. Jack was playing on his harmonica badly earlier on, and it's all just—it's all just great, isn't it? And
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I—I—I texted you and said like I've cried three times this movie. It's like crying at Alma, crying at Anne Hathaway telling the story of like how how Jack maybe died, and then the scene on the mountain where Jack where Jack's like can't quit you. It's—it's
1: yeah. it, just—it's great. It's—it's it's, it's important and good, and I think it's good when things are both important and good. You know, you have a lot I mean, of think, one I'm... or the other. <laughs>
0: Like, like we, we've joked that, like, this stretch of three movies now are, like, quite intense movies, but they're also, like, probably, like, my favourite three-stretch that we're going to be doing. Yeah, I, I adore this movie.
1: Yeah. I watched it again last night for this, and I was very tired, so I don't know if I just feel pretty cranky about how long it is versus I actually think it's too long, but even with me thinking it is too long, just some of the scenes that you get in the back half are just incredible.
0: And... I'm looking at the UK box office, I'm sad it never peaked above number four over here.
1: How every one of us... I know. Well, this has been intense. We've unpacked a lot of our stuff here. This has been a long one, Jesus Christ. I know. Uh, Yeah, so thank you everyone. Entertherealworld.com soundcloudcom such Mike and Matt. Like, listen, subscribe, comment, give your feedback. Share your stories, your personal stories about Brightback Mountain. Next week, though, we will be covering Children of Men. A different kind of intensity coming towards us. Yeah,
0: my favourite working filmmaker. Yeah, I I don't think he's made a bad movie.
1: (laughs) yeah well there you go we will explore that one next time and goodbye everyone but first I don't <laughs> say goodbye uh,
0: just there will be movies
1: just the will be I don't even the need Will-Bee. to ask the will be movies bye everyone <laughs>